Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Live from the Cranberry Bogs in central Wisconsin, it's time for another Small Scale Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Dahmers. Well, June is moving right along, and I hope you're doing well. A while back, I had a great conversation about homesteading in Ohio with Daniel Bokris. Daniel is one of the Ohio Get Stuff Done crew. He has his own homestead called Red Dog Ranch. In this podcast, we discuss his journey from the Marine Corps to a homestead in the Ohio countryside and what Daniel and his wife, Christy, are doing to earn money from their homestead. Ladies and gentlemen, we have had a ton of new listeners to the Small Scale Life podcast. In case you're new to our podcast and blog, Small Scale Life is about a little simple living, a little urban homesteading and gardening, and a lot of adventures along the way. As we publish this 95th episode, I'm pleased to report that we've had over 35,000 downloads of our show. Thank you so much for listening, and you are the reason we continue to produce content. Before we begin the podcast, I do have some sponsors of the Small Scale Life podcast. I've been approached by some of you who are wondering how you can support Small Scale Life. You can support our work by purchasing products from our affiliates. Today's episode has two sponsors, and I have a special announcement for you too. So here we go. So the first sponsor is Website Cheetah. If you're interested in starting a new blog or podcast, setting up the infrastructure can make it overwhelming. Do you want to have a website that is built to produce results? Website Cheetah is a new service that has three different packages for you to start your new venture. With Website Cheetah, you'll have the site that is SSL compliant, has basic analytics, is mobile responsive, has a visual page editor, and has basic SEO, which is fully secure. Can you do all that on your own successfully? I've tried. It's pretty tough to do all that. So check out Website Cheetah and start your new venture today. Use the link on Small Scale Life and support the Small Scale Life podcast. Now, once you have that site in place, it's time to drive an audience to it. As a content creator, there's nothing more frustrating than sitting down, writing what I think is a great article or podcast, editing it, getting it up there, and then getting little or no traffic to that content. We've all been there. What if you could get potentially thousands of people per month consuming your content? There's a way. Article Cheetah is a method and a process that helps you target niche audiences that will be searching for your article. When you publish articles using Article Cheetah and optimize your SEO, Google will bring that traffic to you. Check out Article Cheetah for more, and if you order, please use the following link on Small Scale Life to support our show and blog. Now let's talk about this last sponsor. It's a new affiliate and it's coming soon. I've been talking with someone about one of the topics discussed in today's show, canning right? Preserving your harvest is critical unless you're selling it or giving it away. Do you know how to safely can your vegetables? I have a new affiliate that's coming on very soon who can teach us all how to can safely. There's more on that soon, so stay tuned to Small Scale Life for special announcement when it's ready. It's coming very soon, so be watching. So thank you to our sponsors. Remember, you're supporting our show by spending your hard-earned money for those services. If you want more shows and content on Small Scale Life, please use the services provided by our sponsors. All right, are you ready for some homesteading in Ohio? Daniel and I had a great conversation about real community, land, Joel Salatin, building soil, bees, pressure canning, chicken, 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 
lots of chicken, pigs, and cows. There's a lot to pack in an hour of the show. So sit back, enjoy the ride, and let's talk about some homesteading in Ohio with Daniel Bokris. Live on the Small Scale Life Podcast, this is Tommy Cakes. I've got my good friend Dan Bokris here. How you doing, Dan? Welcome to the Small Scale Life. Thanks, Tom. Uh, it's good to be here. I know we've talked about it for a minute, so I'm finally glad that we're able to sit down and do it. I know. I just had to make you laugh with a little Tom oh, Cakes I, at the yes, start I of it, my Tom friend. Cakes. Yeah. So I've got. Yes. Uh, so in case uh, I've got someone new to the small scale life, welcome, Dan. He is a homesteader. He's a marine. He's married. He's got a farm. He's got. Cow, he handles cows and chickens and all kinds of good stuff. And we're going to talk a little bit about him, a little bit about homesteading. I'll talk plants. He'll talk chickens, and we'll find somewhere in the middle that we can, uh, you know, we'll be learning together. So, welcome to the show, Dan. Well, thanks for having me again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has been a little bit to set up. I mean, we both have been busy in this winter winter season. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh yeah, and I forgot to mention he's part of the Ohio Get Stuff Done crew. Woohoo! And he is actually recording from the. Greg Burns compound in in Ohio. So. The lumber squash layer. The lumber squash layer, exactly. Out from the shenanigan shack. How did we get you out from the shenanigan shack? Yeah, you said let's record something, so I said sure. <laughs> right now, everyone's eating lunch, so it's a good time to break away. So, what do hillbillies and homesteaders have for lunch? The Ohio GSD. What do you guys have for lunch? Gosh, we brought uh, pulled chicken from uh, one of our chickens. Okay. I think Greg is having pulled pork and baked beans. Ooh, delicious! Yeah, delicious. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I scarfed down a quick sandwich. It was really good. Oh yeah. So, how many people are out there for today at the uh, at the Shenanigan Shack? Me, Dustin, Greg, James, five, six. Nice, nice. Kids yeah. and wives and yeah, everyone brought their kids, their oh. wives, and it's it's really just like an unofficial thing that we had multiple things going on and everyone just all kind of converged at once and it's a party. Oh, that's great. That's great. And what are you guys working on? Do you have a project you're working on? Uh not specifically. Okay. Uh I know Greg's uh son made B frames. Oh, and so we bought some, and we came and picked them up today. Uh, one of the other guys bought B frames too, and he's nice. setting his foundation. So nice. I think there are also uh, some people are stopping by to pick up a uh, mushroom spawn. Okay, are you going to do so, mushrooms? No. Okay. Nope. I'm not a big mushroom fan. Yeah, yeah. Same over here. I mean, we could inoculate some logs here and have them in the back, but I would be the only one eating them. So. Exactly. <laughs> it's just yep. it's tough to get everybody excited about fungus. It, yes, especially when it grows between your toes too. Oh yeah, that that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, that's what kind of turns me away. Yeah, as a marine, you know all about that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh God. So that's great. I'm glad. And this is you know I've talked a little bit with Greg before. I've talked with Drew Sample. I've talked to other people about the power of local community, local friends, local community. And this is an example. Everybody's getting together on a Sunday afternoon. You know, getting together, having a good time, um, taking some funny pictures with PBRs before. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what it's all about. It's it's actually been invaluable to us uh, when we first bought the farm. Uh, None of it was really developed into anything. Uh, they previously owner ripped out all the old fencing. Uh, wow. It was just kind of a standing barn in a three-car garage. Hmm. And we decided one winter that we want to fence in the whole place. So we were fencing in uh, just over 11 acres. Oh, wow. 
and uh, we did it with wood corner posts and T posts all the way through mm-hmm. and woven wire. Okay. So we actually just made it a party. Huh. Uh, we invited everyone out from the crew. Uh, I think we had uh, over, oh gosh, 375 T posts to drive. Oh my gosh. And we got knocked out in about five hours. Really? Wow. Yeah. Then after that, we started stretching fence and it, Honestly, with them, it was an invaluable resource to have, and we've gone out to other places and uh, pulled fence and uh, butchered hogs with other people. Mm-hmm. So it's everyone kind of gives something. Yeah, that's really cool. I think I saw some pictures that Greg and a crew were out putting some fence up at somebody's place. So uh, Yeah, that was just recently up yeah. in uh, northern Ohio. Very cool. Very cool. Yep. Let's talk about your land a little bit. So you have uh, 11 acres, 12 acres, right? 12, yes. 12 acres. How did you find your land? I mean, what got you to that point? How did you end up there? Oh, gosh. So I came this back is from like deployment. You, yeah, this is like, who, yeah. are you, who are you? What does your daddy do? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was I came back from deployment, and yeah. uh, I really turned into a hermit. Okay. I lived in an apartment in the city. Uh, we were there for uh, – I was married. I got married right before my deployment. Okay. We were in this, this hole pretty much in Columbus, and uh, – it was absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to live in a rural setting, and I kind of realized, well, I can beat around the bush, or I can just pull the trigger and do it. Yeah. And I finally said, "Hey, honey, one day let's let's go get a house, land, get out of here." Very it's cool. Miserable. And so you, she's, you were you were both working jobs in Columbus, or, or yes, we okay. both work full time in Columbus. Okay, got it. Even now yep. you're working in Columbus. Yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, we're trying to do the farm without taking on additional debt. Yep. The only real farm debt we ever really had was just a mortgage. So yeah. I like to keep it that way. Uh, that is very smart. And that's how so many farms get into – well, so many people get into trouble that way. I, I can't remember. Oh, are you are you Dave Ramsey fans? I think you are, right? I've – no, I've – Never this, heard I've him? heard you speak of him before and okay. never, never really looked into it. Okay. Yeah, he's totally about, you know – uh, debt-free living and staying out of debt and using cash, not getting credit card debt and all that kind of stuff. So yep. you're doing it. You're doing it without doing his program stuff. So that's cool. That is really yeah. cool. Nice. So you decided you wanted to break free, break out of the urban landscape and get out in the rural country. So how uh, how did you start that process? What what were you looking for? Really, anything that had a little bit of land in the house. Okay, uh, there wasn't. Uh, since we're in Columbus, we're really willing to go any direction. My wife has family that lives in, uh, let's see, it'd be northwest Columbus. Well, it's a good ways outside, and uh, we kind of started the hunt there. Uh, we looked at a few houses, nothing really great, and then uh, we ran into this old uh, early 1900s house Okay. with a barn and a three-car garage, and we looked at it, and I pulled in the driveway and saw the land with our realtor, and I looked at my wife, and I said, this is it. Wow, Really? Yeah, quickly walked through the house and said, hey, make an offer on it. So it's now ours. Well, that, it's, wow. Yeah. And we're fortunate because it's just right down the road from her grandparents or oh, her grandmother. Cool. Yeah. So they have some land down there. Nice. We're only 45 minutes from Columbus. So. Yeah, that's not bad. And how's traffic? How's that commute? Some days it's long. It's uh-huh. long going in the morning uh-huh. just because uh, I'm now going in back to the real world. But coming home, it's perfectly fine. I always know I'm getting back to escape to my own little spot, my space. Very cool. Very cool. So your your sanctuary, if you will. Exactly. <laughs> your sanity yep. in your sanctuary, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So um, do you have a name for your homestead? 
Yeah, uh, we're the Red Dog Ranch. Okay. Uh, it's kind of slowly evolved into a business. So it wasn't initially set out to be a business. Okay. But, like, we started raising chickens for ourselves, and people kind of started asking us, like, hey, can I buy some? And it's kind of evolved from there. Is it is it meat chickens, or is it meat chickens and egg layers, or what do you got? We do meat birds in the spring, summer, and uh, beginning of fall, and we also have an egg-laying flock. Okay. How many chickens you got? Oh, probably around a hundred or so <laughs> layers at least. Uh, we don't have any meat birds yet for the year. Okay, okay. So you do you have regular customers coming in and buying your eggs and and everything? Yeah, like we that? actually there's a, a small store in Uptown Westville that's been just she's an awesome lady and uh, she we sell there every Saturday and uh, so it's really nice. It just gets us. I'm from Westerville. Okay. So it kind of brings me right back home every weekend. So, Do you have a stand outside the store or do you actually bring them nope. in and then it's all consignment kind of, you know. Whatever. We set up inside the store. Oh, okay. Cool. She gives us a small little space. She gets free eggs out of it and we get a place to sell. That's really cool. Nice. And how much do you sell per dozen, just out of curiosity? Uh, $4. Oh, $4. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Julie and I were just... Um, we had eggs this morning, and we had the white carton eggs you go from Mega Farm, and then we had more uh, local eggs, you know, the brown yeah. eggs. And uh, just we were trying to compare and tell the difference between the two. Just the yolks and, and the taste, you know, just richer, better tasting um, from the smaller producer than the mega corp you know oh, global so corp better. yeah absolutely yeah. yeah so we're we're interested in it i've never had chickens before i'll be honest with you I'm a, i guess i am in the end a city slicker i've never had chickens julie's never had chickens um we're we're interested in it though so oh yeah help they're us. hard to kill <laughs> they're hard to kill that's number yep. one that's good <laughs> unless you're actually trying to kill it then it's relatively easy but yes yeah. it's hard to really make a mistake and kill your birds okay so for like an urban area like when we were talking last night, you said there's as many chickens as there are dog varieties. So where does a newbie start? Like in an urban area that's a smaller yard that'll have a chicken run or something and a coop. I mean, where does one start? What kind of variety? What variety would be good? Personally, for me, we've had a bunch of different varieties on the farm and we're sticking with the Rhode Island Reds from here on out. Okay. Rhode Island. They're by far the best, I think at least friendly so, i mean are they decent oh yeah they, okay yep they're extremely nice uh depends on how you raise them uh we've had some our first batch of birds that when they were still new to us and we were oogling over them the whole time they were extremely friendly mm. and then the more uh we've been doing it they kind of uh we don't see them as much and stand up there over the brooder and oogle them so they're we're still a bit more foreign to them okay they generally just run from us whenever we're around <laughs> Unless you have food or throwing out food or something. Oh, gosh, yes. And yeah. then it's like, yeah, it's like the Hunger Games. Uh-huh. <laughs> so do they they've, they roam and forage a little bit on your property, don't they? Yes. Uh, actually, right now it's winter. We're coming out of winter, so they're in the top of one of our barns. Oh. Uh, we have them in the mow, and we'll take up pine shavings and hay for bedding. And they have full access outside to probably, oh, God, 600 square feet. Okay, cool. And real, realistically, what we want is we want them to fill all that bedding full of crap. And there's a trap door on the floor, and that all goes down to our pigs. And the pigs just turn that all winter long and make us compost. What are you growing with the compost? We just spread it on the field. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, you're building we have soil. A, okay. Yeah, 
we grow grass. That's the long and short of it is that's all we do is grow grass. Okay. We also put animals on top of it, but grass is the most important thing. Gotcha. You're doing the Darby Simpson growing grass kind of thing. Uh, yes, we've actually taken a lot from Joel Salden. He's okay. by far been one of the best ones we've been able to interact with. Yeah, yeah. He's that guy's an icon in the homesteading, you know, regen type world. So you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, and the nice thing is, we we actually we went to his farm because uh, we've read some of his books and had questions. And the nice thing about his place is it's fully transparent. You can just drive to his farm and look around, and no one's going to yell at you or chase you out. We drove down with a tape measure and a camera, and we're actually taking measurements off things. Uh, <laughs> we had a friend that rode with us that couldn't figure out exactly about the chicken tractor. Sure. So we just went out there and measured it. Okay. I I fully stand behind farms that let you walk on there with a camera and take pictures of whatever you want. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, you know, I know people get goofy about that. You know, get off my property, you could hurt yourself, blah, blah, blah. But that's really oh, yeah. cool that he allows that. And you bumped into him a couple times, right? Yes, actually, yes. So one of the kindest people. Uh, there he was on his farm working, and uh, we got to – we were walking out, and he waved and smiled to us. And uh, we were coming back a few hours later, walking back up front, and he was bringing a load of logs up and actually stopped and answered some questions. And it was just a great guy to really interact with. It was great to see someone that has achieved his level of fame still willing to help out the small guy and willing to learn through it. And realistically, at the end of the day, all it cost us was just gas to get down there. It wasn't like we're paying an ungodly amount of money for a clinic <laughs> and filling us full of false uh, hopes and dreams. But I've never heard it, of anybody that does that, but yes. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yep. That is so cool. I think he I think he was surprised by how long you guys were on his property, according to you, right? Yeah, we actually, we walked almost his entire farm. Uh, we looked around every nook and cranny. It was just, it was one of, the, you've always read about it, and it was one of the more, more cool things to actually be there and see and get through, walk through his woods, and it was just an invaluable experience for us in the way we do things now. Yeah. Totally cool. That would be a that would be a great experience. How many hours away is that from from your place? I think it's like seven and a half. Oh, okay. Wow. That yeah, was we left in the middle of the day. night and we yeah. got there at like nine o'clock in the morning. Oh wow. Yeah, that's a long day. <laughs> oh yeah, totally worth it though. Totally worth it. Very cool. Yep. Um, you're building grass, and uh, are you hanging that off? Do you have what do you what are you doing with with all the grass well, we, and all that great soil? Well, we had for a few years. Uh, we actually had a deal with a neighbor of ours that has a sizable beef herd, mm-hmm. and uh, he hid it for us uh, and threw us some meat our way Very cool. uh, to barter for it. Probably about two years ago, we set it up to where with him we will only let him hay the field. Once everything's at seed okay. or there's something at seed. So as he does it, he at least helps us out a little bit with mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And it's been a massive difference because now we start to have clover everywhere. Uh, we only had maybe one small patch of alfalfa. Uh-huh. And I could probably step on it with my foot and sure. it'd be gone. Sure. It's everywhere now. Wow. And how many, year, how many years has this been, just out of curiosity? Uh, we've been there for almost four years. Okay. Or just over four years. So you've seen quite a bit of difference, quite a bit of change in that four years of. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, uh, it was it was a hay field for at least fifteen years, uh-huh. and no one's really ever gone through and fertilized it. So it was just all they did was pull hay off of it. Gotcha. So there's really no nutrient value there. Uh, you could definitely tell that it was neglected for a while. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice little project to get onto and really uh, figure out what to do to make everything better. Yeah, they hadn't burned it with, you know all those fertilizers and then 
you know, nutrient minded out with corn and all that yes. kind of stuff, huh? Although we have corn and soy on all of our sides, so we're yeah. the bastard children in the middle. <laughs> That's okay to be a little different. That's fine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, well, what's really interesting Talking is with I, you, I, I think abs- you are a little different, but you know. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think everyone's really too quick to start pointing fingers at people. We've been out there for a while now, and we've made friends with a lot of our sure. neighbors. Sure. And actually, uh, one of the most helpful—I will say—the most helpful person we've had especially learning about cows and beef, uh, is actually a salesman for one of these big evil, I say evil in air quotes, ag companies. Uh And hands down, he has been the most helpful person to us, even though that we are wildly different than the model that he's used to. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. I think that's great. And, and having good neighbors is, is worth it, you know? And, Oh, absolutely. Especially the business side, he realizes that we're going to do things different than him, Yep. but at the same time, he's willing to show me how he does things and I can learn and figure out how I can tweak it to work best for me. Mm -hmm. So it's, Mm -hmm. I'm ecstatic to have that opportunity. Now is he, um, I think you said he's got a lot of cows, right? He's got a big herd. Yes. He has a sizable, uh, Angus operation and he does, uh, uh, Angus seed stock. Does he put uh, Does he put some of those cows on your property then, or is that? Yes, actually, uh, right now we're leasing some space to him so he can graze, and the cows can shit all over my field. <laughs> Build soil. We're building soil. Yes, exactly. And and uh, he had some young ones come over yesterday, right? And they made a little bit of a mess of things. Yes, they came over yesterday, and uh, I guess our fence was grounded out somewhere, and they pretty much walked through everything and knocked over the beehives, and it was just a nice uh, mess to wake up to. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how um, how an animal will find those opportunities, and they will work really hard to find it, and then they will go? <laughs> yes. And do oh, what yeah. they do, like a hurricane. Yes, and since they're uh, the no, let's see. A uh, handful of them are being weaned right now, so all they're doing is bawling. So it's nice when you're trying to sleep and you just hear cows freaking out and crying. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is what it sounds like when the cows cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, man. So, so, and you've got a couple beehives. Tell me about those. Uh, actually, uh, I've been thinking about bees for a long time. I had a friend that told me there's nothing to it but to do it. Uh, was that Burns? And, yes, very much so. <laughs> Captain Lumbersquatch. Yes, he's very much just man up and do it. And huh. so we finally jumped into it, and I'm pretty sure I'm addicted to it now. Oh, yeah? Funny. Oh, yeah. He, he tells you to, to just do it. He tells me to check myself before I wreck myself. So I think there's some issues going on here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got to I gotta have a chat with Greg. Good thing I'm having him on the show pretty soon. So that's good. Yes. <laughs> So what kind of what kind of bees do you have? Did you have the smaller bee that that Greg was running last year? Or what what no, did you have? We actually have uh, bigger bees with uh, Italian queens, and okay. uh, we're running those right now. Since I'm new into it, I didn't want to make the uh, financial plunge into small cell bees since they're a lot more expensive. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. And so. if I'm going to kill bees, I would rather than be bees I can get in our package for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How have they done with the mites and the winter, overwinter and all that stuff? Well, we tried to uh, – we had four hives going. We treated two with staghorn sumac and we treated the other two with formic acid. Both hives treated with staghorn sumac. One absconded right before uh, winter came 
And another one was a complete dead out about halfway through winter. Oh, that's tough. So I've, uh, I've done a lot of talking with other friends and uh, other people that have the same viewpoints as me. And we kind of came to the rationale that there's really no way to naturally beekeep in our area. Hmm. So it was kind of a tough pill to swallow. But when you look at the whole big picture of it, I think that it's probably the correct decision for us. So when you say natural beekeep, because I'm a newbie with bees as well. Yeah. So, yeah do Wait, does that mean you're getting bees now? Um, no comment. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I, I would like to, but um, I know that Julie's uh, brother is, is really allergic to them. So that's been kind of a... Uh, kind of a no-go you know but he is oh yeah he's moving so i don't know we'll see we'll see okay we'll have to come out when we build hives and you can build your own mm, that sounds cool we've i know we've got in the neighborhood there are some really cool bumblebees there must be a some kind of a bumblebee nest or something or somebody's got a hive or something uh but we have i've never seen as many bumblebees in this neighborhood as i did last year so actually we saw a bunch at our farm too hmm. i was it was really shocking yeah big ones too holy yeah crap. massive yeah and i welcome it i mean i uh, they did a great oh, me job too. And, and, absolutely and the next door neighbor had developed a bee friendly garden and and i wanted to get some of that stuff some of the same stuff he had so i'll be uh looking for what he had um he had he had like lavender or something and these bees were just going crazy over it and uh I think they made a stop by my gardens and then they would head off to the lavender and it's like, good, keep going, man. Keep going. Oh, absolutely. That's the best thing. Yeah. So you've got, I think two active now, right? Is that Yes. We have two active hives. Uh, one hive right now is just mean as all get out. Hmm. Uh, I know other beekeepers have always told us when bees get angry, you smell the bananas kind of in the air. It's their alarm pheromone. Oh, okay. And, working in that hive is the first time i've ever really smelled it hmm. and it immediately as soon as you crack it you get the banana smell so at some point this year once you get a swarm cell or something we're going to squish that queen okay okay and hope they they get a new queen that's a little more a little nicer huh a little bit yep. dis- temperament yeah yeah and then the other hive is uh going to be made into multiple splits yeah i was gonna want i was gonna ask if you're gonna start splitting so yep okay cool so they got overwintered in uh three medium boxes so they're actually starting to fill it all back out right now and mm. we're gonna try to see how many hives we can make out of that hive right. alone gotcha are you guys having you guys are a little uh ahead of us in spring over there aren't you are you getting some yes i'd I'd say probably a little bit (laughs) well you're still in south canada so yeah i know and we had 19 inches (laughs) of snow the white stuff last weekend so yeah i saw that that was insane yeah that was crazy dude that was nuts. and then two days after us we got a dusting and i was really upset Mm-hmm. i know same with michael bell down in texas it got a little cold and he was yeah scrambling around trying to get everything covered up and i just laughed i laughed at him <laughs> I just hate snow more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, this time of year. Um, we don't usually have, I mean, it can snow anytime, but usually it's raining. You know, we're in the rainy season, April showers, bring May flowers, but uh, yep. this is, uh, this is unusual. And I think the lakes are going to be frozen up for a while. And I mean, they're, they're melting off, but it's just, we're behind again. So it's going to be an interesting 
it's going to be interesting to get stuff in the garden. I, I don't know when I'm going to get it in there because technically it could be in like three weeks and I don't know if it's going to be ready not, yet or not, you know? So anyway, that's a, yeah, that's a, it's a rough one. I'm fortunately for me, I'm absolutely horrible at growing anything. Uh, my wife's the one that grows plants and has our small garden. Okay. But what do I you... figured animals are a lot harder to kill than plants. <laughs> you have the black thumb with the gr- with the plant side, huh? Yes. Okay. Yep. So what does she grow, just out of curiosity? Oh, gosh. We, well, we always do tomatoes. I yep. think that's that's a staple of everything is doing tomatoes. Uh, we did celery last year. Uh, we did, oh, probably 200 onion sets. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, I think we did a mass. Well, we did a massive carrot crop the year before, and we canned all those carrots. Oh, and that's going to hold. We still got a little bit left. Uh, the plan was to do the same with the onions, and uh, we really like onions, and they're almost all gone. Yeah, yeah. I have, so I've had trouble with onions. Uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I've never gotten them to grow very big. You know, they've. I just haven't had good luck getting them to grow big and uh well we we did them in a raised bed and it seemed to work out really well mm, okay i'll have to try again this year try it you know i mean I yeah can, i can grow green onions but just regular like yellow onions or the red onions i i i struggle with that a little bit so there you go well don't feel bad i struggle with growing everything <laughs> I've tried to grow strawberries for almost three years in a row right now, and I don't think they've made it past a month before they all die. Oh, man. That stinks. Huh. It's life. Is it watering, or is it just... I honestly have no idea. Okay. Uh, I realized I was bad at growing, and I'm good with animals, so I kind of just gave up on learning how to grow things. Yeah. Division of labor and find out your strengths and weaknesses and jettison the weaknesses and focus on the strengths. It's all good. It's all good, man. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, I don't know how I'm going to be keeping things alive, you know, animals and stuff. And certainly we can't have a cow here in Minneapolis. So, (laughs) but you can get like a goat or something, or maybe like a pygmy goat. Oh, here, a pygmy goat. Oh, now you're getting me in trouble. (laughs) That'd be great in your backyard. Yeah. Somebody's pygmy goat, some chickens. Yeah. Julie's going to, her ears are perking up now, I think. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes, the pygmy goat. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. What would I do with that? And, what would I do with that? I don't know. They're they're. I think your wife said they're like super cute. <laughs> she, she did say that. It would just be like a farm dog or something. So it'd be like a family pet. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> and just think of the marketing value of it. You have the urban goat. Oh, I like that urban goat ranch, urban goat yes. farm. <laughs> Minneapolis. Everyone does goat. microgreens and market gardens. You can be the urban goat guy. Yeah. The Ur- Minneapolis Urban Goat, the mug. Welcome there you go. The mug. <laughs> we'll see in a year how this pygmy goat's doing. Yeah, dead. In <laughs> 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 a worst case scenario, you can always eat it. Oh, that's true. That's, uh, yeah, true. Is that mutton? Yep. Is that what they call that? <laughs> I think mutton sheep. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Goat is just goat. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm good with goat. So switching back to the uh, the chickens, you, what is the typical cycle here? You've got them, you get them as chicks in the spring, and then they get. When do they start laying? Is it like two months later they're starting to lay, or is it is it? What, oh gosh, what's the we process? we we block out six months. Okay, for them to really turn uh, profitable, it's generally six to nine months to where the eggs are sizable enough for us to really sell. Oh really? Okay. 
once they start laying, they'll lay small eggs, and then generally as they mature, they'll get bigger. But uh, we always have every year we get a cycle of uh, chickens to put into production. And what we actually do is we start ours midsummer. Oh. And we found that it really helps to uh, boost up that wintertime drop off of egg production. Mm. Days get shorter, chickens start laying less. And at that same time, we'll have chickens going into production, so we'll still get more consistent counts going into it. Huh. That's an interesting idea. Huh. Yeah. I know that uh, some of our neighbors had just like four chickens um, in the St. Louis Park, town south of here. And they would they would bump into that, too, where they were getting that lull in the winter, and they tried to get different light in there and try to you know artificial yes light. and we we tried artificial lighting and it was absolutely detrimental to us uh they laid throughout the winter time but then springtime came and it was just very inconsistent numbers that we were getting out of the flock okay and the only thing i can really that changed that whole winter was we had artificial lighting hmm. that's good i'm so I'm i think it was more so. confusing them than anything else yeah yeah Huh. And then, uh, so you've, uh, so six to nine months before their egg production picks up, then how long do you keep them before you turn them into soup chickens? Uh, once they start laying market sized eggs, uh, they got a two year timer that starts. And then after two years, uh, we've seen the production drop and that's when we butcher them into stew birds. Okay. Or in our house, we actually will can them. Oh, Okay. We pretty much can everything that's humanly possible to can. Gotcha. You have a pressure cooker then? Yes. Okay. What What do you recommend for a, rec- a pressure cooker? What's worked for you? Like The All-American. All that's American? the only one we've ever had, and it's, by f- I think, so far, by far the best with all of them. Is that a um, – because they have that ring, or the uh, is that a gasketless, or is that uh- – That is a gasketless one, yes. Ooh, love that. Okay. There's really only, like, three parts to it. Well – uh, maybe about a half dozen. Okay. The lid, the jar, or the base of it, you have their weight, and then you got a couple racks that go inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's a lot less for me to lose. Yeah. I do a lot of, uh, or I do water bath canning, you know, but yes. no meats for that and, and no, you know, low acidic food is a problem. So You going to get a pressure canner? Yeah. Yeah. I the like rule it. of thumb that we were told and... uh my wife is the frugal financial one. I'm the one that always lets throw money around and have fun. Oh, see, can't take it with me when I die. Yeah, see, we need to have our wives talk or have her on the podcast yes. talking about frugal stuff. Then, good. I was I was actually told whatever pressure canner you're looking at, get the next size up. You oh. won't regret it. Okay. And she was looking at a small four quart one or something like that. And I came to her and said, "Hey, why don't we get the second biggest one?" Okay. And uh, I'm getting the second biggest one has been a lifesaver because it's very time consuming to can and we can fit a lot in there, especially when you're cleaning 75 to 100 birds. Yes. And you're putting them all in jars and canning them that day. It is a lifesaver. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like a ridiculous amount of work. You can always put less jars in there. Uh You don't have to fill it up all the way, but it's. It's a lot harder to put jars in there when you don't have the space. Right, right. No, that's great. That's a great tip there. That's a pro tip right there, man. <laughs> bada boom, bada bing. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, I had found a pressure uh, pressure cooker at a garage sale, 
and I bought it and I had it for a while and then I went, you know, I don't know who owned it. I don't know what they've done to it. It's missing parts and pieces and I ordered those, but I just, I didn't trust it. So I want to get something that's going to be good. That's going to last a long time and, and work oh, yeah. for us. So, you know, I don't want it. Yeah. For me, hands trouble. down the all American canners. There's nothing that beats it in my eyes. Okay. Cause I know there's Presto and yes, something like that. This is just a general recommendation. Oh, very much so. Ding! <laughs> I wish they would have. I wish they'd sponsor me so I can get another free canner. Yeah, that'd be awesome, right? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're looking at about two years then. Okay, that makes sense. Good. Good. Yep. Good. And your meat birds. What's the cycle on those? Just out of curiosity. Uh, eight weeks. Oh, eight weeks on a meat bird. Okay. Yep. Uh, we are actually very fortunate. We live in Northwest uh, Columbus area, and uh, by sheer accident, completely. We found that maybe 20 minutes down the road from us in a little town called LaRue, Ohio, is the uh, Ridgeway Hatchery. Every other week, I thought they were taking 7,000 birds down to Polyface. Oh, 7,000 birds? Just by queer, sheer coincidence, it's the same hatchery that Polyface uses. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So we're fortunate enough to have that, and that's where almost all of our birds come from. Okay. What, that's uh, twenty minutes away. Yeah, that's that's sweet, man. So, what kind of what kind of variety is that? What what? Uh, we run the Cornish crosses. Oh, Cornish cross. I've heard of that. Yeah, we've seen the best turnaround with them. Uh, it's eight weeks. They grow fast. Uh, you really to for profitability, you really can't beat that. Okay. So, I've we've looked at Freedom Rangers before, and I don't know about doing the whole additional. 10 to 11 weeks that they take mm-hmm. so we're sticking with the cornish crosses for the time being well i go into sam's club and i go find this bag of tyson chicken with the breast that's you know the size of my forearm is that the kind of breast you're pulling off these chickens oh absolutely <laughs> really yep really Yep. oh yeah and it tastes so much better huh they, they yeah they are almost identical to what the commercial birds are ran no. But they taste so much better. See, I figured they were getting some steroid pumped up thing, and this is how they would make profit is get these massive I think steroids have been banned in poultry for a while. Okay. And you'll see a lot of these people that like virtue signal with their labels, steroid-free chicken and all this. Mm-hmm. But it's banned. Why are you advertising that you're not using banned substances? But that's that's just me getting on my own soapbox. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how everything is gluten free and you know, oh gosh, yes, fat free and yeah. I even saw I even saw like Reese's peanut butter cups are like gluten free or something. I was just looking at it, going, hmm, oh my god! Obviously, I need to buy this then because it's gluten free. <laughs> exactly. That's totally going to make me stand in line and get it. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, so eight weeks, and you're going from from chick to slaughter, huh? Huh. Yep, we do all the butchering on farm. We generally make a small party out of it. Yeah. Uh, so we have a few friends that have been doing chicken butchering us with us for a while. We always call them up, and in lieu of handing out money, which for us on the bookkeeping end causes a lot more heartache. Sure. Since we actually run as a business, we just pay in chicken. Yeah. So there's always a bird that gets screwed up somehow, a wing breaks or something in the plucker, and all those birds go to the side, and at the end of it, we bag them all up, 
Mm -hmm. And everyone that butchers gets to split them all between themselves. Cool. In Ohio, are there any rules about... Because I know other people down south have talked about, you know, they've got to take certain things to the processor and blah, blah, blah. Uh, You can have on-farm sales as long as it was... uh, It's like a grower-producer's deal, I believe. Okay. So, uh, yes, we can sell the chicken on-farm. Money has to exchange hands on-farm. Gotcha. One of the areas we're looking into is possibly pre-selling the chickens ah, okay. and then taking them down to whatever city these people are in. Mm-hmm. Because if we sell a live bird and they have a happy accident and die, it's not our bird. Yep. So we're technically just doing a favor for a friend. Yep. And then all said and done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so, that's – I think uh, – I think Polyface was doing some of that kind of thing, weren't? Or they have buyers yeah. clubs there and that kind of thing. So very much so, yes. Yeah, yeah, they've done some interesting things on Polyface. I will, I will say that. You know? Oh, very much. So I'd love to go down there one day during their chicken butchering and just watch that and see how it's actually they do it. Since I know on our side we have a few places where we hang up at, and I'd like to see on a larger scale and actually people that do it nonstop and go see the experts. Yeah. So you've got uh, you've got chickens, you've got bees, um, you have someone else's cattle on the property building soil yeah. for you. Sounds like you have pigs. Let's talk about your pigs yes, for a minute. Yes, uh, we actually got a couple American guinea hogs from a buddy of ours in uh, southern Ohio. I heard they're cute. Uh, yes, they. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife thinks they're very cute. We'll see uh, what happens the butchering week, but yeah, uh, they've. There are little garbage disposals right now. Uh, the only reason we got them was to keep turning the chicken bedding mm-hmm. once it's full of poop, mm-hmm. so it will compost out quicker, and then we can go and spread them on the field. But and they're also our garbage disposal, so when we have food scraps, we just throw it in there with them. Like what kind of food scraps? Like just like vet- anything. Like, oh, anything. The slop bucket. If it's a, yeah, if it's a food scrap coming out of our kitchen, it's going out to them. Oh wow. Okay. And you've got two of those. Yep. Wow. Have you run hogs before? Or? Uh, we've had some before in the past. Uh, we ran them with a friend of ours. Uh, he wanted to clear out his woods and was talking about getting goats to do it. Ah. We kind of came to the rationale, why don't we do pigs? They mm. taste better. Mm-hmm. So we ran, uh, oh gosh, I think 16 pigs with him and his woods to brush hog it all out. Oh, wow. And it worked like a charm, and he's actually turning into a silvo pasture right now. So he can graze cattle on it. That's not uh, that's not Rob Kaiser, is it? No, no. Okay. Uh, his name is Bill Converse. He actually okay. owns uh, Converse Farms. I okay. think they're in uh, Ostrander, Ohio. Okay. But they do a lot of beef sales, and uh, he's starting to finagle around with uh, using a little bit different than commercial-style breeds of beef to get the best results. Hmm. I think he's running uh, Shorthorns right now, and that's someone that we're actually looking to to learn more about having beef exclusively on pasture and not graining them or supplementing them with grain. Sure. So I thought brush hog, I, you know, my dad had rented a brush hog, and that was a big old lawnmower thing that would chew through everything. I thought that was just yes. a... You know, just a lawnmower thing. I didn't know that was an actual term where you put the hogs in the brush and they just root the heck out of everything and turn it into. I don't know if it's a real term, but we used it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, and it it worked out really well. I'd probably say a brush hog on the back of the tractor would probably be done in about two days. Uh But it took us almost uh, all summer and fall to get them out to uh, uh, butcher weight. And actually, we took one and uh, we butchered it down at a a buddy's place, uh, oh, God, two years ago. Mm hmm. 
year ago, but we actually butchered one of our own pigs, and that's when uh, Greg Burns actually taught us how to uh, butcher pork for the first time. Yeah. So her name was uh, Lady Marmalade. Was the one we took down there. Well, and I've had I've had uh, Greg's chicken, and I've had his bacon, and and uh, man, that is some really good stuff. So I can oh, only imagine yeah. how awesome you know your stuff tastes too. I, I mean, it's just hands down so much better. I'd say not as good as Greg's because he had a lot more practice at it. Oh, okay. but we're we're catching up there. Yeah, that's good. Oh yeah. Well, and you're part of the GSD. It's all part of the group, and everybody's learning together. So that's pretty cool. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there's some there's some unique things going on around here. Oh yeah. Well, let's uh, talk about yes. That a little bit. Uh, Lumber Squash Network uh, will be putting out a podcast at some point. Oh, is this the super secret thing? This is part of the super secret stuff. Yeah, I was supposed to ask you about the super secret secret. Yes, so. this is the super secret secret. I want to. Let it out to you guys since you're one of our favorites. Oh, hey, uh, that's but, cool. <laughs> yes. Hey, you come here to the best things, and that's what you're going to do. Hey, I got to get a drink. <laughs> I got to get a drink. Uh, delicious. So continue. I'm, li- I'm listening <laughs> so, over here. Yes, uh, we've agreed uh, some of us are going to get together and put together a podcast. I uh, found a little niche that needs to be filled, and okay, that's what's happening. But we'll, we'll once things get in the uh, recording on the books and – We'll start releasing more information about it, but very cool. It's coming, yeah, and I will be happy to uh, promote that here on Small Scale Life because I don't know, I kind of like you guys. I don't know why. But. Oh, likewise, you're a pretty <laughs> cool person. So, well, you haven't met me in person yet, so you know. <laughs> well, October. Yeah, I know, right? I'm gotta see, yeah. and this is why I want to get into heavy duty production with canning stuff because I'm gonna have to bring stuff for the barter blanket and you know have all kinds of goodies for everybody. Oh yeah. And uh, we can always come before October. That's we don't true. need to wait. Except Greg will put me to work, or so you will. And, and oh, that's fine. Make me do strange things with cows. It and... builds character. <laughs> Is that what we call that? Yep, exactly. <laughs> cool. So, once you're shoulder deep, it's definitely building character. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would look like that millennial with the, uh, you know, that you were talking about last night, working with cows, and it'd be like, I mean, I've been with cows, <laughs> but I haven't been with cows, so that would just, yes. you know, that's a whole new level, man. <laughs> oh yeah. But you know, it all depends on the herd. There's some really nice cows and there's some really big assholes. Yeah. And it's just like people too. Yep. Well, and it's interesting because uh if things had worked out, my dad um after he was done playing football, uh pro football, he went and bought a hundred and twenty acre farm in central Wisconsin, right near our our, our uh pine forest, our pine land, our, our land out there. And he had cows and he was trying to learn before the internet, you know, so he, he oh, was yeah. trying to learn on the job and he had pigs and chickens and cows and, and it was quite a trip. So it is possible. There is some of that in my blood somewhere. But, and that's, uh, well, that's exactly how I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to learn how to do it. I've never been exposed to cows until we moved out to where we're at now. Mm. And uh, I'm actually trading labor for knowledge. Yeah. That's cool. So he'll call me up and say, hey, I need a hand doing something and I'll hop in the car and just, he's only half mile quarter mile down the road sure so we'll go down there and go through the herd and do things like that and that's how i'm learning how to do it all yeah and that's a good question that i should have asked up front is how how and why i mean why homesteading why i mean yes get out of the country get out of the urban area but how did you figure out cows and chickens and pigs and 
all that. I mean, what what just said this is what I must do? Uh, I really wanted to escape. Okay. Uh, I learned. Uh, I did six years in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a deployment to southern Afghanistan. Yeah, and uh, I, I we had a sense of self sufficiency that mm-hmm. uh, I've never experienced in my life, mm. and that was definitely something I liked. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of just always stuck with me. And when I came home, I went back to uh, pretty much relying on other people for everything. Mm. And that's never sat well with me since. So I kind of like having my own future in my own hands for once. And I'll, it's what always resonated. And that's that's why we're out doing what we're doing. Yeah. No, and I think um, in my story is the same. I mean, not the same, but being um, – all the chaos of 2008 with the whole world burning down, you know, economically and realizing that you are really putting your everything into your job that could be shipped overseas or just the lights shut off on you. And what are you going to, how are you going to make it? You know, I mean, yeah, okay. You could get another job and all that stuff, but, but what if that had lasted for a while could you have survived like my grandparents did or or you know my ancestors did um i don't think so you know so that's oh, why absolutely. that was that call to hey let's try something a little more back let's get back to the earth let's get back to learning you know some of these skills i think that was important so and my, uh, just recently my wife was in between jobs mm. and she had a, a month or so to where she didn't have any work, so that was one paycheck not coming in, yeah. and uh, it really wasn't that terrible. Well, and no one was overly sweating. We had food in the pantry. We had food on the shelf. Uh, we had enough of a little nest egg saved up to where it, it all worked out. Right, and this is yeah, this is the huge takeaway of you know having being debt free or very little debt, except maybe your mortgage, right, and having an emergency yep. fund. Having some food in the in the pantry, you know, being prepared for you know something at least. And well, we go ahead. We still have a good a bit of good amount of debt, but we're systematically trying to knock it out. Yep. I I think we still owe John Deere a little bit of money for a oh. lawnmower. Okay. Uh, we got that when we we're. Uh, I had really bad credit for a while, and we mm. got the uh, we financed a lawnmower just to use it to rebuild credit. But we have almost uh, all of her. Well, we have all the student loans paid off. Cool. We got a credit card left, and then a car loan and a mortgage, and kind of home free. Yeah, yeah. And we've been really pretty debt free here for about a year, and it's been nice, you know. And and uh, you know, you can really put some money away and and save up, and it gives you some degrees of freedom. But yeah, this is the this is the importance of it, you know, and and being a little more self sufficient. I think that's great, man. I think that's good. Oh, I yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. So, um, and it sounds like you guys got a little inspired. Jules was helping and talking about decluttering. Sounds like you guys have started. Yeah, to we're that actually on. getting another sh- uh, dumpster brought out to our house, and we are just unloading. <laughs> so we've been out there for a few years, and we still have boxes we haven't opened from when we moved in. Oh wow! Yeah, and I honestly don't know what's in it, and I'm pretty sure I'm just going to throw it in the dumpster and write it off as a 
loss, take it. Yeah, I've have some stuff that we've been going through, and and uh, we we were tackling tackling our garage, and that's uh, that's why I was a little late today. We were out at uh, the big box store looking at organization devices for the garage, for all the tools and stuff, and we don't have a yep. shed greenhouse yet. That's on the that's on the future plans, but you know I got to hang up all the tools and stuff, get all the rakes and all the the you know the spade and the hoe and all that stuff put up. So. Oh yeah, I totally joke about a hole here. Too much stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, too much stuff. Too much stuff. Yep. So I sent you the before picture. I'm going to show you the after picture. Um, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, yeah. So it's been a good day. Good night last night and a good day. So um, you know, but shopping always takes a little bit longer. <clears throat> so. Oh, yeah. Especially when you take your wife. <laughs> yes, I think that's well, a given. Until until I go to the hardware store, then it's generally I get what I need and I start looking at tools. And I'm trying to justify to myself how I could use that. Yeah, I know. I, I totally get that, too. <laughs> and then I come home with a table saw and she goes, well, what's it for? And I said, well, I need to cut big pieces of wood. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then it just kind of hangs there. And yeah. Yeah. Table saw would be nice. I've had a couple old ones, but I got rid of them um, in each move. Because I didn't want to move those big heavy things, but I do. I would like to get one again just for some of these building projects we're going to have in the future. But you know, we'll cross. Oh, absolutely. Got to have the tools. Yeah, and we actually we started building our own beehives, and uh, it's actually saved us a tremendous amount of money. So I think uh, we have a sawmill down the road from us, and it's ran by an Amish gentleman, and uh, we bought all of his pine that he had in his yard. I think we made 78 eight-frame boxes wow. for under $150. Wow. And, and that how, was paint, staples, and lumber. So that's um, – how much does does a box usually go for, just out of curiosity? Uh, I'd say probably around 20 to $30. Depends on the quality you get. Wow. And it comes disassembled and unpainted. Wow. So you're um, – who's selling those? Are they – The boxes? Yeah. Oh, there's tons of places that sell them. Okay, so you're selling there's them small to places, places that and sell large. Them. We're not selling any. Oh, no. Okay, I hoard them all for myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've bartered a few out there. Uh, I know Greg has a couple of my boxes in his uh, shenanigan shack. Uh huh. But oh. it's all just been pretty much the excess is bartered off, and we kind of hoard the rest because I know at some point we'll probably need them. Well, and I think this is a this is an important thing too that a lot of us are missing especially us in the big city that just run over to the store and, and buy what we need and, and plenty of it. The power of bar- bartering in favor, you know? And, oh, yes. Uh, working with people, you know, it doesn't have to be a ca- cash transaction all the time, you know? Help me with your fence, and then you can help me with my shenanigan shack, or here's this hive, and uh, how about that lumber? And, you yeah. know, there's a lot of different things you can do. But don't underestimate the convenience of Amazon Prime. <laughs> That's been a game changer for us. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we got the email saying Prime's now available out in the sticks, and we got all excited. Uh-huh. Well, and I drive around the sticks, and I see the Amazon, uh, the uh, FedEx and UPS trucks driving like crazy out there as they deliver. Those poor guys. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> hey, but those are keeping people employed, too, you know? Oh, Absolutely. Now you uh, you bartered a little bit with that Amish gentleman for the wood and everything, right? Uh, not really, no. We uh, we paid outright for the oh, okay. wood. Uh, okay. He actually did a favor. He had some other customers there. Uh, we've been shopping with him for at that point probably about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, since they're for B boxes, they were custom dimensions. And they pulled off what they're working on, and he called me almost the next day and said, "Hey, your lumber's ready." Wow. So later on that fall, uh, when it was nice and chilled outside, we actually took him a bunch of frozen chickens as a thank you. I think Very we cool. took like four to them. Yeah. And uh, it worked out great because it was nice and cool enough to where they could keep since they don't have refrigerators. Yeah. And uh, See, that's a whole other up, thing we don't even think about. You know, they don't oh even have gosh, refrigerators yeah. or freezers. Holy smokes. Yeah. So uh, we ended up giving them four chickens and they gave us uh, some homemade chicken bologna. Yeah. Gosh, I've never had that, but you said it sounded it would it was awesome. Yes, it was very delicious. It's I don't know what it is about the Amish, but they have something about the way they cook that's amazing. Mm. Probably real ingredients, real food. You know, both those. Yeah, things. most of it's grown themselves. Yeah, yeah. There's some power. In I don't that. see a lot of Amish in Walmart. Yeah, I don't either. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I was saying. We'll see what the- Go ahead. You what? Uh, I was going to say, you see him at the hardware store, but that's really about it. Yeah, it was, uh, my brother used to live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and there was an occasion where we'd be in his, sitting in his front yard, visiting him, and clop, 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 here comes the, you know, the little buggy, and they were heading over to the store, so, and they actually had, I think at the Walmart, there might have been a place to tie up your... Your That's horses awesome. and your buggies, yeah, it was it was just so different, you know, and so, such a stark difference to to what we were doing, our cell phones and all that stuff. So. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I I envy the way they live. It's just a simple, easy life. Yeah, and I say easy in air quotes because they probably work harder than most of us ever do. True, true. Yeah, I'm sure the stresses are different, of course, and you know, very much so. But again, there's another group of people who have a strong local community right and they're all leaning oh, on each other extremely strong yeah and helping each other and i just it just ugh, that's one of the things that i need to work on here oh yeah, yeah. getting that gsd going here <laughs> yeah speaking of that you should probably get back to the gsd is there uh, oh yes yeah yeah uh we've t- been talking I a little completely bit forgot about that yeah we've been <laughs> talking for uh, you have not uh, <laughs> um this is cool um is there anything else you want to talk about? No, no? Uh, I'm, I think we got it all covered. We can always come back and do another show or whatnot. Yeah, especially if you guys are getting into the podcast wing. I, yes. This will be good. I really like it. Cool. We're, we're actually working on right now acquiring our own herd so and running our own beef hopefully soon. Wow. Well, that will be really interesting. It, huh. Yes, it will be something unique. <laughs> So we're starting to watch uh, auctions and things like that and sure. finding some good breeders. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, we can talk about the future. So so getting your own herd going, uh, do you think you'll run more pigs or are you just going to keep it to a couple? Um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty open about the pigs. I'm more uh, – we're going to be putting the ones we have now once the chickens come out of the barn. Uh, we're going to let them sit on – or we're going to move all the uh, chicken bedding down to their pen. Mm-hmm. Let them turn it for a week or two, and then uh, they're going to till up where we're going to plant an orchard, hopefully. Ah. So my wife wants an orchard. I got a friend that has a nursery business. Imagine that. So, yeah, yeah. So everybody remember, so, if you order from Nature's Image Farm and use code SSL, you get 10% off and free shipping. I think that's what you were going with, right? <laughs> yes. And actually, we got a bunch of black locusts from him uh, last fall, and that's already in the ground. And yeah. uh 
we are going to be getting uh, some of his uh, nursery stock and yeah. planting it at our place. Very cool. Yeah, and we so we don't have the land here, uh, but I do have some property over in central Wisconsin where we were talking last night about maybe putting something out there. And, yeah, and then um, and then Daniel Dan brought up the fact that you need to have tall fences to keep. Uh, flying deer. There's no fence of, tall enough to stop deer. Yeah, in my opinion, <laughs> especially with uh, apples and goodies. They, yes, there. very much so. They love them just as much as we do. Yeah, yeah. Err. <laughs> so, well, luckily though, Greg sells the bundles, so you can get a little bit of everything, and don't have to worry about selecting just uh, individual things. True. That's a good. That's point. what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that oh. that would be interesting, especially some nut trees and some other things out there. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the wife said she wanted an orchard, and I've already done enough stuff on the farm for myself, so she's getting an orchard this year. Hmm. So, how will you push water to that? Will you just run hoses, or can you can you push like a, a hose bib out there, or what do you think? It's actually the way our place is set up is really unique. Uh, our water table's only about two foot down. What? Yeah, so we were digging all of our fence post holes for uh, all of our corner posts, and literally after two feet, and uh, I let a few sit overnight, got tired, dug half the holes in one day, and uh, we were chopping up telephone poles into uh, eight, nine-foot sections Wow! and dropping them in the holes, and the next morning, every hole had water in it. Wow. It was easy because all I had to do was pour in concrete after that. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. You're good to go. It was fine by me. And yeah. the orchard's the same way. You just dig down two feet and you got water. Brings up. So oh, that's some interesting possibilities. Yeah. Yes. There's a couple places where it collects. So it's going to be nice. Uh, we're talking about possibly putting a few willows there, but we'll see what the missus wants with her orchard. And yeah. generally what she picks out will probably get planted. Very cool. That sounds like a cool project. So, so oh, beef, yeah. an orchard, anything else coming up? Any expansion to the property or any cool stuff coming uh, to the property? There's always something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really got hooked on the bees, and uh, I am have some very high hopes for it. Cool. I'm definitely a agricultural nerd, so uh, I've actually been reading a lot of uh, historical bee books. Hmm. So I've... For one of the first things I got was the uh, ABCXYZ of bee culture. Okay. And it's, oh God, like 1910s is when the first edition came out. Wow. And it's been updated numerous times. So you have older information with current information. Huh. Uh, I think a gentleman, uh, Kim Flotton from uh, like Cleveland area is the one that did the last one. Okay. He also runs Bee Culture Magazine. Uh, and I've been reading that one. I'm also right now almost halfway through uh, Langstriff's book. He's the gentleman that made the Langstriff Hive. Okay. And uh, it's super interesting because it just explains why he built the hive the way it was. The hmm. Langstriffs are probably the more common hive you see. It's sure. the stereotypical hive what you think of when you see uh, think of beekeepers and beekeeping. Yep. yep, with the different boxes and going upstairs oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got my hands on a queen-rearing book. Mm. That uh, it's huge, and I'm actually trying to rush through the Langstroth book so I can start that one. Mm. But it's yeah, I nerd out on a lot of these things. <laughs> I read a ton about chickens before, and my problem is personally, I have to read a lot before I go into it, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of reading, a lot of YouTube, and it's hard for me to get to the point where I just pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. 
So I think for the bees, I read for off and on for about three years up until we got bees. Wow. And finally someone said, just do it. And we did. Hmm. And it's awesome. Well, and, and you've got other people in, in the GSD that are doing it. And, uh, you know, you got Michael Jordan. I mean, the Michael Jordan, you know, I mean, he's a yes, great resource. Yes, the Michael Jordan. He's a great resource and Hogtoberfest <laughs> yep. attendee. So, um, exactly. You know, hey, that's good resource. So, and right he even there. came out and did a little little thing for us with beekeeping at Hogtober about overwintering bees. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic just to hear him speak. I've never. There's very few people in the world I've ever have seen have such a passion about what they speak about, and that's definitely Michael. Yeah. I would agree. And just a when nice you, when you just, guy. Yeah, it's – yeah. Really and I'm nice sure guy. it's the same way you are when you talk about your plants. Yeah, I get a little emotional about my babies. <laughs> and all your Instagram photos of them. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you weren't supposed to comment on that, man. <laughs> get off my show. <laughs> well, there goes me getting on a second time. Yeah, that's – no, it's all good. It's all good. So. Oh, yeah. All right, man. So, well, I will let you go. I think uh, not to cut us short or anything, but I know you got stuff that you're doing out in the shenanigan shack, and and uh, I know I've got to organize my garage. And I hate to sh- cut us short, but uh, you are welcome on any time, my friend. Especially, oh yeah, we'll definitely do it again. Yeah, definitely. Especially uh, when uh, the super secret project gets going out out east. And uh, tell Mister Greg I will send some things his way that he requested on Friday. So uh, with the screenshots okay. and get those over to him i'm a little late getting that over to him so um no it's, i'm sure he'll be fine with it i'm sure he will so <laughs> he's a pretty relaxed guy i know i know especially after a few pbrs i'm sure so exactly uh, <laughs> well it's what 11 o'clock and everyone's starting pbrs i know right that's that's yep. awesome <laughs> cool well um thank you for being on the show man really do appreciate oh, not it not a problem and anytime the mic is always there so yeah sound good all right Yep, sounds great. All right, well, say hi to the GSD. Thanks for being on Small Scale Life. Thank you, Daniel, for the time you spent with me for this show. I'd also like to thank Greg and Susan Burns, who have opened up their homes to Daniel, his wife Christy, and other members of the Ohio Get Stuff Done crew. (laughs) Daniel uh, recorded this from the Burns Shenanigans Studio. It's a really great community out there. And there's a lot to love with this podcast. But I think one of the key parts of this podcast that comes at the very end when Daniel explains the why behind his decision to start homesteading in Ohio. Self-reliance and developing skills are very important when, while homesteading, and even more important is developing a strong community around you. Daniel's Ohio crew engages in all three of these activities by meeting face-to-face and really getting stuff done. The question I have is, what can you do to build skills and a strong community around you? Do you have that already? I'm still working on these things. I need to work on those things as well. And I would love to hear any ideas you have to starting local groups and building that community around you. Feel free to leave a comment below or send me a message on the Contact Us page here at Small Scale Life. Thank you again for tuning in to Small Scale Life. Remember to continue to learn, do, and grow. This is Tom from Small Scale Life, and we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody.
this is what it sounds like when the calves cry. Do 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 do. Wow, that was a lot easier than I thought. Yeah, it's it's a conversation. It's just fun. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it took uh, me to get over the, the. It took me a few minutes to get over the fact that everything is being recorded. Oh yeah, it's it's fine. I sound like a dumbass all the time. So yes, yes. 